Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, doing good? Good, good. Hopefully you had your coffee or drink of choice, whatever that may be. (laughs) I love when I go up to a person and say, I love coffee, and I'm like, I'm not a coffee drinker. Well, I'm actually one of those weird coffee drinkers that will actually go to tea as well, too. And if you're not into coffee or to tea, I would go Mountain Dew. So there you are. You're like, so, so, so what's your drink of choice? Anything with caffeine, that's pretty much my drink of choice at that point in time. All right. So we are in Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, part six. The title of this is The Power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to start out this morning in Acts chapter four, looking at verses eight through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that as we go through your word, as we worship you, Lord God, that our hearts and minds will be open to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So so we go through the announcements here. Uh, if you were to want to follow this series or listen to past series or, or past or watch past YouTube um, videos, you go to agjordanmt.com and you can find all of those. Every time I actually sing that song, and the reason why it's my favorite is because my dad told me when I was a kid to learn that some people need to learn to stand alone. That sometimes, you know, you don't have all the friends. You don't have the people around you. You don't have the people that are supporting you or encouraging you to you. All, sometimes all you have is your parents and the people who are, like, you know, pretty pretty close to you. And um, when I'm laying down and I'm staring at my bed and there's I had this little, little pin-up poster that says, I know I'm somebody because God doesn't make any junk. And that may sound silly to you, but I cried into my pillow at night when because of, of what I was going through. And, um, and at the time, my dad telling me that some people just need to stand alone wasn't as helpful as one might think. Right? That's one of those seeds that you plant 
that really doesn't have any bearing. It's like, great dad, that doesn't get me any friends. That's wonderful dad, that doesn't do anything. And I, and I find that that seemed to be pretty much the characteristic of my life because God just kept on planting these seeds that did not really seem helpful at all in any way, shape, or form as I was growing up. But here's what it built in me is that my relationship with God and my relationship through Jesus Christ is absolutely positively what I go to first when it comes to things. Now, it doesn't mean I don't epically fail on things, because I do, and I don't always listen to what God wants me to do, and that is true. But the thing about it is, is that it's, it's not the fact of what you do, it's how you respond when you do it. Have you noticed that? Are you going to make mistakes in life? Yes. Are you going to have issues in life? Yes. How do you respond is the most important thing. Where do you go to? And that training that I had that was not easy in any way, shape, or form, um, it was something that God developed in me that I, when, when I'm finding myself being an epic failure, I go to God because I know that he is the only one that's going to be able to encourage me to actually build on up. I've learned to stand alone. And so when I sing this song, this song, you, you may like this song, you may not like this song, and that's perfectly fine. But for me, when it gets to the point where I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, I've had to stand with arms high and heart abandoned. I've had to be there. And so this song reminds me exactly of the things that I had to walk when I was a kid. And it was not easy. But I look back on that time now and I can look back and I can say, thank you, God, for never leaving me nor forsaking me, even though I'm, I felt the most alone at that period of time. So going through that and walking through that and understanding that is so, for me, was very, very impactful. All right. So we started this morning out in Acts chapter 4. Looking at verses eight through twelve, or looking at verses eight through twelve, and let's get a little bit of context around here, um, because Peter and John were just going about their business, just a normal day for them going to the temple, right? It's like you coming into church on a Sunday morning or whatever, walking up the steps, and there's a person there. And in Acts chapter three, looking at verses one through eight. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. 
So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now this obviously set off a whole... Some good things happened. Some people were like, oh my word, this person was healed. What is going on? And this caused a commotion. Many people started seeking information about this, this man named Jesus. And you have to remember that in the, this is still during that period of time that they'd be like, well, wait a minute, wasn't, didn't there, wasn't there a man named Jesus that died on a cross? Hmm. This is, you know, so that, that would be in their head. So in Acts chapter 4, and I read only a portion of it, but going into greater detail, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Okay, I'm not quite certain about how many people you could fit into this church, but I can almost guarantee you it is not 5,000. Pretty positive. I'm thinking we would have lines of people all the way just surrounding, right? And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, look at this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God raised, uh, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Now see, Here's an interesting perspective on this. Peter didn't say, I went up to the man and I took his hand and I said these words and did anything. P this was not Peter's ministry. This was not a ministry based on a person. This ministry was based on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the this, this Savior. And then he goes on, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which he must be saved. This is what happened after. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, what does that mean? They didn't go to their college, they didn't go and attend, and they didn't have the certificate of theologies plastered on their wall. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. 
the fact that they even wanted to deny it is a little bit concerning to me, I'm just saying. But in the same realm, please be aware that prophets of old were confirmed by God through signs and wonders and miracles, okay? So we're talking about present day, right in their face, stuff that had happened that they only heard happening and it only started happening at, with Jesus and they thought they took care of Jesus because they were like, hey, we killed him on the cross. We're good. Oh, you mean we're not done? No, we're not done. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. I love this, severely threatened. I'm going to send them to a timeout. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, that's not old. Just saying. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So, <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon untrained, uneducated people confounding the, the wisdom of the theological mind, how in the world could these people bring the message of the holy God of Israel declaring that Jesus is the Christ and is not dead? But then again, how in the world could the following prophecies be fulfilled without the Christ, the Messiah, was prophesied to be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 13 through 15. In Isaiah chapter 7, 13 through 15, Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. It was prophesied that he would be holy. Daniel Chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for inequity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. The Messiah was supposed to have a disposition of holiness, not just to be holy, not just to be declared holy, but to have a disposition and a characteristic of holiness. And the sheer definition of being holy, as it was sung by Moses and the children of Israel in, believe it or not, the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 11. Verse 11. 
Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? And then another thing that happened, the humble exalted over the, the wealthy. And in Ezekiel, it was prophesied that the Messiah would trumpet these. And Ezekiel 21, 26 through 27. Thus says the Lord God, Remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and the humble the exalted. And humble the exalted. Overthrown, overthrown. I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is and I will give it to him. Luke says that these prophecies that were here were fulfilled. And in Luke Chapter 1, verses 31 through 56, says this. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, talking to Mary. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One, who is to be born and be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So if there's questions about why Jesus, by the way, just a little side note, if there's questions about reason why Jesus and John the Baptist didn't know what Jesus looked like and stuff like that, please be aware that Mary didn't even know that this person was, that Elizabeth was even pregnant. And it had been months. So there's definitely a communication and distance gap that is there. You can look at geography and everything else like that. But we have solid evidence that that John the Baptist could be born and be around and they not know what one another looks like. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days, and just this is just a, very interesting. Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then Mary said this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. How are these prophecies being? They were given by God. They were revealed by God. They were done by God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit. What about today? So there was the prophecies done by God. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies done by the Holy Spirit before he was even born, by the way. Just saying. What about today? What are we taught? I, honestly, you can look up anything in the New Testament and you will find it. But my favorite is Romans. And my next favorite is Romans chapter 8. And I'm like, well, Greg, I thought you said John was your favorite. I have a lot of favorites. I'm just telling you that right now. What about today? What about the Holy Spirit today? Listen to this. And for those of you who have been following the, what the kids have been listening to, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I know that my children probably are just quoting it in their heads right now. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be, glor that also be glorified together. We may be also glorified together. Long thing, right? 
one of my favorite verses, also one that we are actually memorizing with the kids up here. If you follow this line, God prophesied salvation. God gave salvation. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, accomplished those prophecies. And then by the power of that Spirit, when you come to know Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. Now, if this doesn't blow you away, I got nothing for you. Because this blows me away every single time. The very same powerful Holy Spirit that actually was there at the very day of creation the Spirit of God, when you come to know Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, when you acknowledge, when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that Spirit of God dwells in you and is a witness inside you that you are a child of God. That blows me away. How is it that the, the Spirit of God is willing to actually be a witness to me and say, oh yeah, by the way, just to let you know, you're a child of God. Oh yeah, by the way, just to let you know, every single error that you have, every single bad thing that you had, God already knew everything about that. He knew every single mistake that you were going to do in your life. And you know what? He looked upon that and he said, I'm sending my son to die on the cross for your sins so that you may find salvation, so that you might find life, and so that you might find joy. And I'm going to confirm it in all these prophecies that I have given and I'm going to set it down so that even the, the people who are theologically minded and say, you have to prove it to me, okay, here's the proof, now are you going to believe? And have set it down so that if you hear what God is saying and you hear the message of salvation and you acknowledge that message of salvation, you are saved. Grasp the fact that eternity is forever and this is the hope of salvation that you are working for, that today is but a blink of an eye, but eternity is forever. And that is the hope with which you have. That is the joy that you're aiming for. That is what you're going for. I know I'm somebody because God doesn't make junk. And I believe with my whole heart if even one person was on this world that Jesus would have still died on that cross. The power of the Holy Spirit in you is greater than anything. So don't shut it up. Don't hide it. Don't pretend like it's not there. But stir up those things which are good inside you and allow that be your message. If you're feeling down, call somebody. Hey, I just really need a prayer. I'm not, I, I need a, a reminder.
We have a huge witness inside of us, always reminding us that we are a child of God. Would it not be great if the people, your neighbors, and everybody around had that same exact feeling of knowing that they're a child of God? That they were built for something better than just going to bed, eating, sleeping, and going to work? That a relationship with God is eternity? I have said in the, in the past, in the past couple weeks, I said, Jesus is not the answer to your problems. Jesus is God's answer to the problem that we created. It's interesting that God's answer to the problem that we created is also the answer that will help us with our problems. Does that make any sense? God's answer to the problem that we created, we brought sin into this world, God created an answer for it. That answer is Jesus. Jesus is the goal of that unto righteousness. When you pursue God, God doesn't, just doesn't leave you where you're at, but yet allows you and creates within you an image and a kind of character that deals with the problems. And you'll be amazed, if you're willing to actually go down this road, you'll be amazed at how you will handle things differently now than you would have dealt with them before. But what does it take? It takes a willingness to follow after God through Jesus. To acknowledge and to accept those things and to follow after. I won't keep you any longer. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day and I want to thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord God, for everything that you do and who you are. I pray, Lord God, that we may have that trust in you. And Lord God, that we may remember that it is the Spirit of God within us that witnesses to our spirit that we are children of God. And I pray, Lord God, that we may deliver your love to one another. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.